0: no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. no prisoners. One minute you're up half a million in soybeans and the next boom, your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your bentley. Are you with me? The revolution starts now. Starts now. We have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Turn those machines back on! You are about to enter the Peter Schiff Show. Go be the we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. The Peter Schiff Show is on. Call in now. 855-4-SHIFT. That's 855-472-4433. I don't know when they decided that they wanted to make a virtue out of selfishness. Your money. Your stories. Your freedom. The Peter Schiff Show. Welcome, everybody. This is Peter Schiff here at Schiff. Radio.com Again, I am doing the show for the remainder of the week from uh, my place here in Puerto Rico. Hey, for those of you who want to actually see where I am, where I'm doing uh, the radio show, you, I actually have a website for this condo that I have because I, I do rent it out uh, when I'm not using it. And there's a website, ritzdoradobeach.com Just R-I-T-Z Dorado Beach.com. And if you go to that website, you'll actually see the resort where I am, and there's a, some images of the, the the residence. And you can see I'm actually up on the top of the the building, and there's a little uh, enclosed area on the roof, and that's where I'm sitting. I'm sitting on a desk uh, overlooking the the pool and the ocean. In fact, when I when I came out of my uh, my condo. I think two days ago, I went down to the beach to go into the ocean and sitting directly, you know, in front of my uh, my my unit uh, was three guys. And one of them immediately says, oh, Peter Schiff. And, you know, all three of them actually were fans of this radio show. They listen quite regularly. They were upset that uh, the show was coming to an end. One of the three individuals is in the process of potentially moving here to Puerto Rico himself. I think he might have uh, got the idea from me. Uh, but it very, you know, big coincidence. It's a very large resort. There's a lot of stretches of beach here. They could have been sitting anywhere, but they were actually sitting directly in front of uh, of my of my of my condo. Um, anyway, so you can check it out if you want to see it. It's ritzdoradobeach.com. Uh, dot com. A lot of news out uh, today and yesterday. Let me start with yesterday because we got the release of the Federal Open Market Committee FOMC meetings, and by the way. Uh, We have Janet Yellen speaking on Friday at Jackson Hole. And I believe she starts talking at 10 o'clock Eastern, which is when the show begins. So I may be able to comment uh, during Freeform Friday on some of the things that she says on Friday. But we've got the FOMC meetings that were released yesterday afternoon. And the general consensus is that the minutes reflect a more hawkish Fed. And what that means is the Fed is more likely to uh, raise rates. Uh, of course, I don't think they're likely to raise rates at all. But the meetings reveal that there are some governors uh, that want to raise rates sooner than other governors. And there are some that are expressing some mild concern about the elevated level of inflation. Now, I guess if you have a very, very low bar for what hawkish is, uh, maybe you can describe this as being hawkish. But, you know, talk is cheap. It's very easy for Fed governors to talk in the abstract about raising rates at some future yet undetermined date, unspecified date. And it's also one thing to talk about a gradual reduction in the Fed's balance sheet, which they also talked about. But it'll be very difficult to actually achieve either, especially the shrinking of the balance sheet, because if they actually do begin to raise interest rates, um, that will be very negative for the stock market, for the real estate market, for consumer spending, uh, for you know the bubble economy that the Fed has worked so diligently to reflate. And so all the progress they believe they made will be unwound. But even more difficult than raising rates will be shrinking its balance sheet. Because the minute the Fed raises rates, it reduces the value of all the assets, the government bonds and mortgages that it holds on to. And so if it tries to sell those assets, it will lose money. And the losses will be huge. They will be in the hundreds of billions. And it will be up to the U.S. Treasury to bail them out. Right now, the Federal Reserve is paying its profits to the U.S. Treasury. The minute it raises interest rates and tries to shrink its balance sheet, it will be sending the Treasury a bill a bill for its losses, which will be enormous, which will increase the deficit, which will mean the government has to sell even more bonds because they're going to have to sell extra bonds to raise the money to bail out the Fed. And, of course, if the Federal Reserve allows its uh, bonds to mature, which means it doesn't have to actually go into the market and sell bonds and take a loss, it lets them mature, the government is still out the money because if the Fed's bonds matures, That means the government has to pay the Fed back. The government has to write a check to the Federal Reserve, as opposed to what happens right now where the Fed rolls over the maturing bonds. uh, The Treasury doesn't have to pay the Federal Reserve anything. So whether the Fed allows a bond to mature or sells a bond at a loss, the result is going to cost the Treasury a lot of money. Billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, which, of course, are going to cause the deficit to rise even more. All of this is going to be a big negative for the bond market, for the economy, which is why they can talk all they want about when they may or may not raise rates or about shrinking their balance sheet. But it ain't going to happen. If it was going to happen, it would have already happened. This is five and a half years into the supposed recovery. The balance sheet is still expanding. Interest rates are still at zero. If they could shrink the balance sheet, it would have been shrunk. If they could raise interest rates, they would have raised them. They can't. They won't. Of course, eventually they'll be forced to, but only because there's a crisis, only because, you know, the cat gets out of the bag and everything falls apart, right? Uh, There's a dollar crisis and inflation is running out of control and there's nothing they can do. That's going to be the only thing. Uh, that is going to bring an end to it. But now everybody is waiting to see what Janet Yellen says on Friday. Meantime, gold, which sold off a little bit yesterday, was down about $15, $16 earlier this morning. Uh, now it's only off about 11 or $12, so it's coming back. We're still well below 1300 though. we got a lot of economic news that came out this morning. Most of it's stronger than expected. The jobless claims, uh, weekly jobless claims in line, but the PMI Manufacturing Index That came in a little better than estimates, 58. Last month was 56.3. Likewise, um, the Philadelphia Fed survey was quite a bit stronger. Uh, That one was up at 28 versus 23.9 last month. Consensus estimate, just 20. Uh, And existing home sales pretty much in line with expectations but we're getting a lot of economic data coming out today we also got the leading economic indicators i haven't even looked at those oh well those were better than expected uh consensus was up 0.6 actually up 0.9 so a lot of strong data interestingly enough even though we've had all this strong economic data the gold price has actually rallied on it you would have thought well maybe gold would have gone down even more but i guess it was already down 16 bucks Uh, but the fact that it's rallying Again, with all the strong data, the dollar uh, hit a new uh, high for this particular move uh, against the euro, although the dollar is now slightly lower against the euro. But a lot of this optimism seems to be baked into the cake when it comes to the foreign exchange market, the precious metals market. I think, though, again, the real news is going to be that the Fed doesn't do anything. In, in, in spite of the fact that uh, inflation is getting worse, um, the Fed is still going to be AWOL. And we're going to see how uh, dovish Janet Yellen is on Friday. I'm, you know, I'm, always, I always expect her to be dovish because that's basically all she can be. Hey, we got a lot more news uh, out today. We're going to discuss uh, the big fine at um, Bank of America, record fine. Also, Bernie Sanders is uh, using the uh, Ferguson uh, Michael Brown shooting. Apparently, now he thinks that this means we need a we need a, a bill to fight black unemployment. Quite ironic. We'll talk about that after this break. eight five five four chef. if you want to try to get a quick call in. we do have a guest coming up at the end of the next break. Stick around, we will be right back. Power Then the Peter Schiff show is a uranium enriched 10,000 megawatt nuclear reactor. Stay plugged in, stay brilliant. This is the Peter Schiff show. Well, the Justice Department today announcing another settlement with a major U.S. financial institution, this time Bank of America. A new record, $16.7 billion settlement. I wonder which bank is going to be able to break. That record, because of course we know they will. All records are made to be broken. Uh, Poor uh, Bank of America, though, because you know they're having to pay the fines for Merrill Lynch and Countrywide because they bought both those companies. So the 16.7 billion has to do with uh, mortgages that were also issued uh, through Merrill Lynch and Countrywide uh, prior to those companies being acquired. By Bank of America. In fact, in many cases, it was a shotgun wedding, and the Bank of America really didn't even want to buy them, but they, they did so at the behest of uh, the U.S. government, and now the U.S. government is uh, returning the favor by fining them. Of course, the big favor was bailing them out in the first place. Without the U.S. government, Bank of America would have been bankrupt, and so I suppose they regard any money they have to give back as uh, a small price to pay uh, for Uh, The bailouts in the first place. But of course, the big irony here is that the government was encouraging all of this reckless activity. It was cheerleading it. It was making it possible uh, and it was happy. Uh, to benefit from the phony economic growth and the feelings of uh, euphoria and paper wealth as Americans flushed with home equity loans were able to buy cars and take vacations and vote for whoever was the incumbent because everything was so great. And, of course, after it hits the fan, the government just tries to blame the banks and fine the banks. Of course, the banks know that these fines are a small price to pay because the next bailout of these banks could be even bigger, Than the last, and they know they have to be friendly with the people in power uh, because these 16 billion dollar fines could be peanuts compared to the next round of 100 billion dollar bailouts or trillion dollar bailouts that the industry will get or is is hoping to get. That might be uh, the joke might be on the banks because the bailouts might not be coming because the U.S. government. Uh, may in fact need a bailout, and so uh, it's just going to be uh, hyperinflation or something uh, like that, and so they're not really going to get what they are bargaining for. Also, I thought it was uh, ironic, now that I'm on the subject of irony, that Bernie Sanders is now trying to uh, use the uh, Ferguson situation, and I don't know if it's the rioting and the looting That is supposedly the impetus for his bill or the fact that Michael Brown was shot. I'm not really sure, but he's saying that as a result of what's going on in Ferguson, now it's time for a black youth unemployment bill, that Bernie Sanders needs to tackle the problem of youth unemployment, which is quite high in the United States for those 16 to 24. The the unemployment rate is 20%, but for black youths, The unemployment rate is 35 percent, so better than one out of three young black Americans who want jobs cannot find them. And, of course, there's a reason for that. And one of the reasons or one of the main reasons is Bernie Sanders and his buddies in Congress that have enacted the minimum wage and that are now threatening to increase the minimum wage. It is no accident that the unemployment rate for teens is so high because the minimum wage most affects people with the lowest amount of skills. And when do you have the least amount of skills? When you're 16 to 24 because you haven't lived long enough to acquire the skills. You haven't been employed long enough. So obviously a bill that makes it illegal to hire people with low skills is going to disproportionately affect the, the young And, of course, it even more so disproportionately affects minorities. And that's why you see such a big gap. It's 35% for blacks, 20% for the overall population. And, you know, before the civil rights uh, laws existed and before the minimum wage law existed, black teen unemployment was slightly lower than white teenage unemployment. And both numbers were in the single digits. I, I, you know, they might have been five, six, seven, but forget where they were, but they were low and they were lower for blacks than they were for the overall population. Not the case today. And it's not because we have more racism today than we did in the 1920s right, or the 1930s. Obviously, that's not true. So what is it? Why are blacks suffering so much more today in the job market than they were back then? Clearly, it's not. Because of discrimination. In fact, there is far more racial tolerance. Despite all this talk about all this discrimination, you know, one of the, you know, the common refrains now because of the Ferguson situation is, hey, you know, if it can happen to Michael Brown, it can happen to anybody. Right. He was just gunned down uh, because he was black and minding his own business. And it can happen to anybody's son. It can happen to anybody. If you're black in America, because there's so much racism, uh, it's just risky to walk down the street because you never know when some white racist cop or any white racist, for that matter, with a gun is going to sh- is going to gun you down. Right. That is uh, the narrative, which, of course, is not true. Um, and there is much less probably uh, discrimination, at least uh, based on racism. There might be some discrimination based on government laws, but not race, not race, not because the people are racist, because they don't want to get sued. But uh, clearly, it's not racism that is the problem for young blacks. It is uh, the minimum wage laws, and it is the laws that make it illegal to discriminate because clearly if you're going to take a chance on an unskilled worker and you're going to have to pay them the minimum wage, you might as well hire the white teen because at least you know you're not going to get a civil right lawsuit if you have to fire them because probably the turnover is much higher when it comes to, uh, you know, 16 to 24-year-olds because, you know, you're taking a chance on an unknown quantity and maybe you take a chance and it doesn't work out and you have to let them go. And so I think that all else being equal, uh, if you're going to have to pay the minimum wage, which in many cases you might be overpaying for an unskilled job, you're probably going to hire uh, maybe a white candidate. And especially, you know, maybe he's got the connections. I mean, sometimes uh, the jobs go to people that have better connections when you're overpaying for them, when you don't have a market-clearing price. So just think it's, it's ironic that you have Bernie Sanders. And what does he want to do? What, how does he want to create jobs for the people that the minimum wage is putting out of work and making it illegal for them to work, he wants to give four billion dollars to the states and to uh, the uh, you know municipalities or the cities so that they can hire uh, teens, you know, sixteen to twenty-four year olds. So the federal government should borrow money and give it to the states and the cities so that they can use that money to hire unskilled young people to do what to dig ditches and fill them back up again. I mean, what a waste. A, why not just get rid of the minimum wage, get rid of some of these uh, occupational licensing laws or other rules and regulation that make it so expensive to hire young people and let these people get real jobs in the private sector where they can acquire real skills to increase their value to future employers and eventually make more money instead of borrowing and wasting government money to have other government agencies hire these kids to do nothing. And they'll probably learn nothing uh, in, you know, by working as bureaucrats. Is that what we want? Do we want to train these young bureaucrats? And, of course, this work is not going to benefit the economy. Hey, speaking about wasting money and no benefit to the economy, we got an interesting discussion up next about all the money that people waste going to law school, going to law school. We're going to have that discussion right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back.